fail. Are you listening? Damn. Welcome to Power and Strength Radio with Thomas Benz, the ethos of strength. Here we explore the dynamic between physical, spiritual, relational, and mental emotional strength so that you can build your resiliency or your bounce so that you express the most powerful version of yourself. conversation with Curtis Tucker. Curtis is an author and the lead teaching pastor of an amazing church in Central Oregon. During this conversation, we dive into the connection between spiritual growth and identity and how embracing change and knowing your worth is critical to personal development as well as our relationships with others. The conversation ends with some amazing insights on how all of life is God's gift and by seeing everything is connected we engage in a more vibrant manner. This is truly strength for the soul. Hey, everybody. This is Thomas, the ethos of strength. And we're back with another episode of Power and Strength Radio. And this has been one that has been on my heart for a little bit. And I'm excited. It's uh it's kind of interesting, you know, you, you know people and you've shared in relationships with them and, and you've done some things with them and you just want to share them with the world. And, and I have that awesome honor today to sit down with a, a very good friend of mine. We're going to be talking with uh, Curtis Tucker, who is the pastor of Redmond Community Church. And I get the honor of, of serving with him in that body. And this guy is absolutely amazing he's he's been the pastor here for over 20 plus years he's got 30 years in ministry plus a a lot of other neat things that he's done in his life he's written two books and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about his book writing experience and and what led him to that but i'm just excited to get curtis uh involved in this conversation for you all to share with him so curtis how are we doing this morning doing well tom and i and i echo all those sentiments that you shared about me with uh, back to you i feel the same way about you it's an honor and, and privilege to be a friend and and to be able to minister and work by your side. Oh man, I, you know, uh, I'll tell you this, people. You know, there there are very few uh, people that you you come across in a lifetime that truly make an impact on you. And Curtis has been one of those people for me. He's just uh, had a tremendous impact. A big brother, a mentor, a friend. So I'm really just over the moon about what we're going to talk about today and. You know, if you if you've been following the podcast, you know that our tenants are how the interplay between physical strength, mental, emotional strength, relational strength and spiritual strength come together to kind of build the person. And I think right at the onset, you know, knowing that there's a pastor on the podcast today, everybody goes, well, he's just going to talk about uh, Bible stuff. But, you know, knowing Curtis for the past seven or eight years, I'll I'll tell you just who he is as a person. And I've been with him watching uh, some of his transformation. It's going to be much more than that. And and I'm pretty excited. So, so Curtis, as, as we kind of get into the podcast this morning, uh, I want to start with just some, some easy kind of fun things. So, you know, people can get to know you. I I know you to be a connoisseur of food. I mean, You can tell it by looking at me. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, uh, you know, when we've gotten together, it's generally been over a meal and, and you always know the cool spots to hang out. So, so let me ask you this, Curtis, as we start. If, if you had to recommend a city for someone to go to for just great eating, what city would you recommend that they go oh, to? Oh, man, there's so many good ones. We're, we're such a foodie nation, really. Uh, but some highlights are locally, you know, uh, Portland has great food. Seattle has great food. Probably one of my highlights is a recent trip to New Orleans. Man, do they know how to cook down there. What what drew you to New Orleans? Like, has that been a bucket list thing or is that a place that you've been to before and yeah. you just wanted to go back? I had been there once before, probably 30 
over 30 years ago. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience then. But, uh, you know, my my uh, awareness and desires and interest have expanded quite a lot in those 30 years. And my wife had never been there. So, yeah, we just picked it. And, and really, it is a tremendous town. It, it is a foodie town uh, and, a, and a great town to celebrate and enjoy good music and culture and people. But yeah, those, those are some some highlights. And I always do a little research. You know, I'm a big Guy Fieri uh, yeah, fan, so yeah. I always go on and find out where all the Triple D restaurants are, and you know, I, I spent about a week planning just to, you know, just to pick out my where we're going to eat. Yeah, and it all centers around that. We, you know, we spend most of the day trying to figure out where we're going to have lunch, and then the afternoon where we're going to have dinner. That's and, awesome. Yeah, we we ate. What was your favorite meal? Did you, did you have one that you were just like, oh, uh, really? There there wasn't. Uh, it couldn't be narrowed down. Honestly, every single place we ate was just awesome. But th- there was one little place, Bayonne. It's a, a pretty high-end restaurant, but they had a garlic soup. I mean, I love all wow. the etouffee and the you know the the catfish and all the good soul food down there, the Creole food. But uh, this garlic soup was so good, we ended up going back twice. So oh my uh, god, that says a lot when that, you have that many options and you go back for yeah. the same thing. Yes. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Maybe, folks, what we can do because Curtis is a is a writer. Maybe we can get him to actually put together a book of the best places to eat uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in all of his travels. So, so maybe that could be something that we we talk him into. Um, so, you know, as we as we kind of get a little bit deeper in, you know, I've I've had the awesome opportunity to to sit with you, to learn under you, and just share life with you. If you were talking to 20-year-old you, you know, because I've, I've witnessed, you know, some transformations in, in life. We've walked through pieces of your life together. If you were having a conversation with 20-year-old you, what piece of advice do you think you would give 20-year-old you now looking at him, you know, 30 years? Sure. I uh, wish someone had told me this 30 years ago. Uh, I really believe that, uh, you know, we get going so early and we're trying to make a name for ourselves and, and kind of chart our course, but uh, we need to spend a lot more time with just understanding who we are and being self-aware and emotionally intelligent. Understanding that even though we're, we're trying to evaluate who we are, that we're going to change hmm. and we need to be open to change, you know, to, to say that, well, this is who I am. And, and, and so just accept me and, you know, this is the way it's going to be uh, is very naive. We're going to go through lots of transformation, lots of growth. Um, so that, that would be the, the, the number one advice that I would give young people is just uh, know who you are, appreciate and value who you are, uh, become an emotionally intelligent and strong person. But but understand that life is going to work on you and you're going to change. And that's a good thing. Why do you think that's hard? Why, why do you I mean, I, I love what you just said. I think um, why why do we need to have that conversation? Why? Why isn't it just like obvious that, hey, I'm probably not going to be the same cat at. 40 uh, that I am at 19. I, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, I, I think we have a, we just have a subtle subconscious at times, uh, most of the time subconscious need to be accepted. So I don't know that I think that works mm-hmm. adversely towards the idea that we're going to change and evolve and grow is, you know, we, we want to be accepted for who we are. And, and I think that that's good, but it can become, you know, so bad. You know, you people take these personality tests and, and they kind of pigeonhole you and that be, you know, becomes kind of the explanation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a I'm a red, or I'm a beaver, or I'm a you know a, a alpha, or whatever it, it may be. Uh, but we change and we soften and we grow, and and I think that that should be embraced. It's kind of a, a two track system. Be confident in who you are, and know that you you are valuable as a unique individual. Uh, but understand that as an individual, you're going to change and grow uh, through time. That just. Trust your process, and that process is going to look different depending on how life Absolutely. acts on you. And if we're not if we're not intentional about it or aware of it, we we kind of are like an amoeba. You know, we kind of just glob on to, and we don't really understand what drives us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we might be driven by something that is not going to have a positive effect on us. You know, we're we're motivated for wrong things, and and we need to become clear on those things. I was motivated for. Uh, the wrong things for many years of my life in business, you know, trying to, to disprove someone in my life who, who shared a perspective to me that, you know, someone who was 
supposed to be a meaningful person to me. And, and I didn't find out for years later that that's what was driving me to success. And that's just no way to live. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, fly at 30,000 feet and, and, and understand who you are and where you want to go. And, and that's the other thing I would tell a 20 year old or a young person, find out who you want to be, who, where you want to be and just reverse engineer it, you know, start to work backwards and, and say, well, these are some things that I need to do. If I want to be an emotionally intelligent person, these are some of the conversations I need to have. These are the kind of relationships I need to have. These are maybe some some areas of, of personal development and reading, whatever it may be, or or success or relation, what, whatever it may be. Figure mm-hmm. out where you want to go. You you're you're a choice maker. You got that power. So that that's within your wheelhouse. Reverse engineer it and, and start to understand what you can do little by little to get there. You, in that you you said some. Um, amazing things and and just just knowing a little bit about you I mean I say a little bit um, at what point did you kind of go hey I think I'm being driven by a a system that's not helping me was, was there was there a defining moment you know, because you, you, you mentioned, hey, in business, I was I was kind of moving this way. And, and, you know, for the last 30 years, you've been in ministry. W- was there was there a defining moment that you can remember that you went, wait a minute, this isn't isn't right. Yeah, I think that there are a few little moments and they kind of accumulate into bigger moments. But you know, being in business and, and working in sales and having great success and earning lots of money and, you know, realizing that that wasn't as fulfilling as you thought it was supposed to be and that, you know, that's kind of a shocker. But the other one is, is that no matter how much you made or how successful you were, it wasn't enough. And, mm-hmm. and so when you start to realize, wow, this is kind of a, a vicious cycle that doesn't seem very satisfying. I, I started to take stock of that and, and kind of look inward and, and try to understand what it was that was driving me to towards that end. And so, again, I think that's part of self-awareness, stepping outside of yourself, flying at 30,000 feet, not just going through the motions, you know, and, and not really giving it a lot of thought and consideration. So little little bits of moments and and then some hardships. I, mm-hmm. I think the hardship is oftentimes the, the best uh, master, you know, the best teacher. And we, we need to embrace those things, not run from them. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a frightening process? In, in my own personal life, I, I think I, I, I asked that question because, you know, I think I'm becoming more of that, more self-aware, more, you know, is, is this thing that's driving me? Is that healthy? Is that beneficial? Is that who I want to be? And if I'm honest, sometimes, you know, looking inward like that and then letting go of this system that has maybe served you, Mm -hmm. that has protected you, it can be hard to to look at it and go, that's not really doing me any good anymore, but it has protected me and it's, you know, it's gotten me to this place. Well, it's, it's what we call behavioral looping. It's like that hasn't killed me yet let's keep doing it yeah right but to go but i know i can't become this powerful version of myself if i continue to let this drive me but i'm afraid to let it go because even though i want to be this person this is an unknown this process is an unknown this i do know did you experience any of that did you did you find yourself kind of going and i I, no i I don't i don't I, i don't recall the sense of that being something that that brought about a fear apprehension self-discovery has always been pretty uh enlightening and and enjoyable for me that's awesome there are times when it's not when it's in moments of hardship or where maybe someone else that you care about or you know or close to are pointing out something in you that you see as an obvious uh, weakness or flaw those are those are more difficult times emotionally and mentally and spiritually and even physically yes but Overall, the general process of, of becoming the best version of myself has always been something that I embraced pretty readily, readily. And, and enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's so good. So, you, you know, you said you, you had business and you were really successful in business. And then almost, <laughs> I, I would say if we put it on a, on a, 
on a spectrum, probably at the, maybe at the opposite end of the spectrum, you go to ministry. Why ministry? What, what led you to kind of say, hey, this business thing, although I'm, I'm having some success by the world standard, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm now going to move this way. And that was really a, a, a wonderfully orchestrated series of events in my life. I was young. I was successful. I had been pursued by a, a management consulting firm that sprung off of one of the big ones, and, and they were kind of building their central region, and they hired me. And it was it was one of those jobs that I, I was apprehensive to accept because I was underqualified in my mind. But they pursued pursued me for about a year and I finally accepted the job and the job I mean if I had to write the script for myself this was the job you know Mm -hmm. to travel to have great you know base salary income with earning you know potential in in sales that was incredible Mm -hmm. Uh, but the more I got involved in ministry and the more I got you know as just a a volunteer uh, there there was actually one one event that was kind of the, the pivotal event I was on a, a plane coming back from a, a sales meeting in Houston, Texas, and uh, I was sitting next to a colleague of mine who who was uh, a consultant, and he opened up his briefcase on the airplane and was reading articles and trade journals on business reengineering, and I opened up my briefcase and all I had in it was my Greek text and Greek flashcards that I was in the process of learning the Greek language to, to better understand the Bible. And it was very just kind of telling to me that, man, my energy and my excitement and my enthusiasm is not for this job. And mm. and maybe this is the time to explore that as a possibility. I could always come back to sales. I could always, you know, I, I don't feel like I was burning the bridge behind me or anything. Um, so on that plane ride, I decided that I was going to make the leap and, and transition from business to ministry. What was your support structure like? Did people go, uh, people around you? Did they go? Oh my gosh! What are you? What are you? What are you thinking? Or <laughs> that that brought a variety of responses. The, the people that were involved in that part of my life of you know seeing me volunteer and and spending time with me and seeing me function in those capacities of ministry were very supportive. In fact, they had encouraged it prior to that decision, and I had always put it off, thinking, well, I'll just I'll just continue in business, be successful, and I could retire early and and do it then. So they were very supportive. On the other side of that fence was all the people that I worked with where I, I had a, a New York a Jewish boss who, I mean, success was everything to him. And, and the idea that I would leave, you know, what was easily a six-figure salary to go to do something that ultimately probably would never broach those numbers, you know, he couldn't understand it. In fact, he wrote me a letter of recommendation to the seminary and, and basically said that to the to the president emeritus at the time. So the the responses were were quite uh, different. Oh wow! So now you're 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 in ministry and and you've been doing this for um, a few a few years. Yeah, a few years. <laughs> just shy, just shy of thirty. <laughs> you've been doing this for a few years. Um, what what has been the most surprising thing to you in in your ministry journey? If that's a mm-hmm. if that's a fair and an honest question has has there been something that's just like wow you know over 30 years um i think i that's an e- that's an easy answer for me when when i you know saw this question that you shared with me and i thought back to it uh especially in religious circles and and maybe this goes across the board in, in other uh, avenues of life but within religious circles certainty is equated with maturity and I think that that's drilled into you very early on in this process of becoming prepared for functioning in a professional role in ministry. And what I've been most surprised about and enjoyed is that all the things that I thought I was so certain about and clung to so tightly have changed over time. Wow. Yeah. And it's and that's been probably and, and the other side of that surprise is another surprise that that has actually been probably one of the most enjoyable uh, parts of the journey is mm. just the the idea that wow you know I clung so tightly to these and defended them so ardently but now I see this differently and and so that's been a, a good surprise. 
so now you as a leader, um, and, and, and I would say in, in your role, you know, working alongside of you these past three years, I mean, you are, you are a leader. And I think everybody that comes into church probably has a certain amount of certainty themselves when, when they come in. And, and that's just kind of, of what we do and, and where we exist. How has, you know, as, as you've evolved, you know, letting go of some of this certainty, how has that or has it challenged you in working with people in, are you really sure about that? I, I mean, I mean, are, are you going to, and how have you, how have you embraced that? Because I, I, I think, you know, as the kind of the captain of the ship, you know, everybody jumps on and we think, hey, we're going in this direction. And then you go, hmm, let's, we may need to chart a new course because X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and how do you work with that? Or? Well, that, that's a very dynamic question. It is. And there's a lot of little pieces to that. You know, I think that uh, early on, it you know, it, it might have been a little bit more of my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 changes, especially when you work in a volunteer organization, you know, uh, it's, it's a little bit different than having people under your employee that yes. you basically say, Hey, you go here and we're doing this. And that's, that's the end of it. Uh, so that, that really does uh, affect you over time. And, and I, I guess facilitate you to learn a little bit differently how to proceed forward with, with certain things like that. So, you know, uh, I may have, a, an idea that I believe is right but I've learned that, that I can share that and, and try to influence, but sometimes people aren't ready for that. And mm-hmm. okay, if we don't do that or we don't go that direction right now, uh, that's okay. But the other thing is, is that I think the, the more I have changed and been surprised by that change, I think that there's an element of softness that comes where you look back and you say, well, they may not be quite there in that process where they're able to identify that they could change or see things differently. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully that leads to some patience in the, in the process. Oh man, what, what a, what a great answer. As you've experienced your, and for me, when I, when I wanted to sit down and talk to you, I think, you know, if I said, Hey, I really want to get inside, you know, the, the mind of Curtis a little bit. As you have evolved or are evolving spiritually, um, and and would would you say that that is a fair um, assessment that you have evolved and are evolving sure. spiritually, emotionally, mentally? mentally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how have you seen your evolution from a spiritual standpoint impact how you engage relationally? with with people um, well and, and it's a great question and again another dynamic question that that could go down a bunch of different trails and and so forth but I think that uh, for me the, the biggest evolution is understanding big picture mm-hmm. and backstory you know when we're young we don't think about what the backstory is of a person's situation and what leads him or her to to say this or do this or cling to this and you know mm-hmm. act the way that they do and and I think that the the more that I have experienced it firsthand and, and one of the things is experiencing a lot of criticism mm-hmm. you know harsh criticism uh, because uh, ironically in a in a in a place where you ought to experience the most grace and kindness and support sometimes that's not always true and there's there comes with you know, breaking free of some boxes and pushing the envelope a little bit in, in matters of spirituality or theology or whatever, uh, you, you do uh, invite some harsh criticism or receive it, not, not necessarily invite it. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that what, what it does is it softens you and, and hopefully helps you not be so critical of other people and maybe read between the lines that, hey, there's a whole story behind them as driving them to do the things that they're doing or, or dig their heels in here or, you know, feel the way that they're feeling. And, and so I think looking at big picture and understanding that there's a backstory has probably been the greatest evolution for me. How do you deal with criticism? How, how uh, you, you know, especially, uh, you know, I've, I've had a couple other guests on the show and we live in such a, a digital 
age we live in this age where we have so much access to one another and you know you used to have to make an appointment at least to go and criticize somebody Mm -hmm. you you know i gotta look you in the face and i gotta tell you hey i I thought that last week's sermon was garbage right i don't have to i don't have to do now now we can just do it online (laughs) and not even sign our name (laughs) (laughs) right so you know how do you, you you know in this in this evolution, you know, because I'm I'm trying to become the most powerful version of myself and, and probably in even harsh, really, you know, it seems like left field criticism, there are probably grains of truth that oh, sure. you that you can go. Hmm. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you deal with uh, criticism, you know, I, I think I told you early on uh, working with you here, one of the things that I, I, I think I said to you one day, I'm like, man, this professional ministry thing is a little tougher than I thought, you know what I mean? How do you deal with that? You know, because you're you're trying to do what you think is, is, is good. Um, well, and I think first and foremost, I consider the source. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about these online criticisms, and I've received plenty. Backstory uh, that I don't know. <laughs> right. There, there's a lot of backstory. But but first of all, consider the source. And, and if someone's not willing to put their name behind it, you know, I, I've seen a lot of emails and online reviews where someone wants to remain anonymous. Uh, those are criticisms or, or reviews that I believe can, can be directly round filed. Uh, I don't believe that those are worthy of consideration if, if people aren't going to stand behind that. But if someone who, who you know is, is loving and kind and thoughtful and, and engaged in this and, and probably intends well, mm-hmm. uh, consider the source and, and then evaluate. Take the good, leave the bad. If it's all bad, then you leave it all. Mm-hmm. You know, has, has, that ever, has, has that ever caused a, a moment in, in your time? Where, you know, maybe it was early, you know, you got the criticisms and you're like, whoa, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the thing for me to do. Have, did you ever feel like that? Did you ever feel well, like saying? Sure, sure. And, and usually that's more style, you know, hey, the, the style seems abrasive or it's offensive. And, and I think just, again, being, being in the process of wanting to be the best version of myself and being self-aware, I've always kind of been a little more sensitive to those types of things. Mm-hmm. If it was about content, I'm less sensitive to those because I don't go off half cocked. You know, it's not like I'm going to enter into something without putting in the hours uh, to really know why I think what I'm thinking and, and why I'm going to say what I'm going to say. So uh, if it was style, probably a, a little more sensitive can kind of hit home, mm-hmm. you know, uh, content. Although I'm, I'm willing to listen to alternative views, I, I'm usually not going to you know, venture out into the deep end on something that I haven't really, you know, put some thoughtful consideration to. So mm-hmm. how, how do you deal with people who, you know, having said that, how do you how do you deal with people who uh, maybe haven't, you know, because I know you to be a studied person, a very learned person. How do you deal with people? You know, you can tell that they're affinity towards something spiritually or scripturally is probably more emotional than actually studied and thought and you've studied it out but they're 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 coming at you pretty definitive like you know here's my line in the sand and and how how do you deal how do you (laughs) usually those conversations are not centered around questions They're, they're centered around statements so someone comes and they're making a statement to you and you can tell when they're emotionally tied to that statement that they're really not interested in having a conversation that is that is grounded in, in the possibility of learning anything. Mm-hmm. So why, why try to convince someone in that position of a different way to think about something or your point of view? Uh, I, I'm always inviting people to set up an appointment or send an email. I'll always engage in, in conversations. Uh, but they have to be conversations that are ultimately open to the possibility of learning. Me, me, uh-huh. myself included. Absolutely. You know, I, I need to be open to the the possibility that I could be wrong, or that they might share a perspective that seems better, or or uh, you know, more in line. Um, but usually, if someone isn't in that state, then I, I don't really engage at a at a deeper level. And 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 again, I think you're going to probably get to these ideas. But my significance 
and worth isn't tied to mm. in whether or not people believe what I believe, see it my way, or my significance isn't even tied to the way that I see things. No, what do you mean when you say that? Your, well, I mean, your I have, significance I have is... a perspective. Okay. But I, I've known that many perspectives over time change. But if my significance and worth is tied to my perspective on any given thing, emotional well-being, a principle of theology, you know, what, whatever it may be, that, that is the way I think at this time. But I could change. So if my worth is tied to those things, those tenets, those ideas, man, my worth is going to be on a roller coaster with my ideas. And that's just not, that's not a ride I'm, I'm Willing, interested in. Oh, man. You, you know, as you, as you were talking a little bit earlier, I think one of the, the most amazing things about you know the time that I've known you. You know we've 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 had some debates uh, scripturally. You know we've we've had some debates, and, and I remember distinct times when I've said something and you went, "Hmm, I, I'm gonna have to go and think on that one." You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've been going, and you're like, "No, Tom, I I believe this. I believe this. I believe this." And then I'll say something, and you'll go, "I I never consider that." I'll have to go think on that. And and I have always appreciated that about you. So even, you know, watching some of your your evolutions and how you've dealt with some of the things that we've gone, we certainly know this and 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 watch how you've moved through it. I, I know I've always been encouraged because I go, I know Curtis is not doing this just kind of flying by the seat of his pants he's thought about it he's rethought about it he's talked to people he's rethought about it and so when you've gotten to a place where you said hey this is what i believe now i i know that you've put in the work and in light of better more information you will go okay i may i may change my thoughts on those things and, sure. and that's always been and that's a, that's a journey to be embraced i i think th this idea that certainty of, of anything, whether or not it's your, your training methods or, uh, you, you know, your career or, you know, an ideolo ideological thing or a theological thing, whatever it may be. I just think certainty isn't a, an enjoyable place to live. You know, we, we tend to become superior to other people and self-righteous and, and kind of stuck in our positions and we're missing the opportunity to really hear how other people think and experience life and learn from them and grow and change and evolve. And uh, that, that's really been probably the most enjoyable aspect of life for me in the last, you know, 10, 15 years is just saying, wow, I can actually hear what people are saying, understand it and enjoy the process, admit that I'm wrong. You know, well, I wouldn't have done that early on in life ever. What's been your greatest joy in this journey? I mean, I've heard some things that you've just said have been enjoyable. What do you think has been your greatest joy in in this thirty year uh, ministry journey? If if and that's probably hard because there've probably been so many joys. Um, but if, if yeah, is there... I, I mean, I, I would say in anything that you invest your time, energy, and effort, and life into, the joy is seeing it received and appreciated. Mm. Just those little moments, you know. I, I think I've kept every kind card uh, that anyone has ever sent to me over the years. And not that I go back and read them, but I open that drawer and it's just packed full and I think, okay, that's why I do it. You know, the, the, the benefit that you're bringing someone uh, it's not whether or not this person doesn't agree and doesn't accept it and wants to leave, but there are plenty who are benefiting from it. No, that's the greatest joy. So that 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 I think that's something for uh, that's a nugget for for all of us to take. Uh, I know that many times in my life I miss or, or I don't appreciate fully those moments of impact when somebody says, hey, exactly. what you've done is touch my life because I'm concentrating on this criticism right, or I'm, right. I'm concentrating on this. Well, we want on, to make on, everybody happy. On this lack, <laughs> <laughs> on this lack thing over here. Yeah. So um, how, do you, how do you deal with disappointment? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you personally, um, and, and I, I, you know, I've asked a couple other guests this and, and I've gotten some real neat perspectives and, and you, you know, being a what I consider a thought leader, uh, a spiritual leader, uh, someone who, you know, in our conversations, I say you're probably one of the 
most uh, emotionally resilient people <laughs> that I know. How do you deal with disappointment? You know, when when you encounter something that's, you know, that's disappointment. I, I know that you know we all experience things in our lives that don't don't work out the way sure. that we want them to, or we hope that they do. And how do you, how do you deal with disappointment? Well, I, I wish that I could say that I always deal with disappointment well, but but I don't. You know, there are some things that that catch you off guard or catch you by surprise and hit you, hit you deep. And, and those are things you have to work, work through. Uh, I think most importantly though, that we are reminded continually that none of our sense of significance and value as a human being is tied to what we do and don't do, what happens, what works out, what doesn't. And I think if we can come back to that continually, whether good, bad, or indifferent, that's not where I have my sense of value. So I'm able to to work through disappointment uh, without being devastated by it, mm. and I think that that's important. Um, and and understand that we control our progress. You know, we're responsible for charting our course, and we have that power as choice makers. Mm. And I'm not going to let let things that don't work out deter me from pursuing the things that that I, I want to pursue. That still might. That still could. That's, that yeah. absolutely still could yeah. work out. And I, I think the other thing, too, is the older that, that I get, and you know, I, I hope with age comes a little bit of wisdom, uh, I, I try very hard. I, I make a concerted effort not to live with expectations of people and circumstances. Now, I'm, that doesn't mean I don't have things I'm working towards, but, but I just try to live with less of that, letting go of those things so that, that my experience of life has a lot of breath to it rather mm -hmm. than constant disappointment because I put the bar up here, whether I attain it and then just move on or, or disappointed because it's not. So uh, that's not always easy and it doesn't always work out perfectly, but it, it seems to help. You, you've touched on it a couple times and, and I just want to, uh, you, you touched on kind of the, the intrinsic value of, of people. And, and would you say that one of the things that we could do to have more relational kind of balance or resiliency in our life is to kind of maybe start with the perspective that each of us is significant because we are image bearers and, and created that way. Would you, would yeah, you say that? I think that that's important, you know, and maybe it sounds a little bit cliche. We're human beings, not human doings. You know, so what we do is important and it matters because everything matters. But that doesn't matter in the sense of defining me or estimating my value and significance. I have to I have to understand that's rooted somewhere else deeper in our common humanity. Mm. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. that's true for all all human beings. So, yeah, I think that that's an important element no matter who you are and what you're doing. Oh, man, that that's such good stuff. You've written two books, um, and uh, you know you're just an amazing writer. Probably, and not to pump you up, probably one of the most gifted communicators that I've ever, ever had the pleasure and honor to to be around. Um, what what was kind of the impetus for writing uh, your your two books? You know. Well, thankfully, I, I had a couple of people that I, I had always had numerous people throughout the years say, hey, I'd really appreciate if you could just write that down, even if it's just for our use. Uh, but then I had some very dear friends, David and Sarah Van Deest, and, and they just bugged me for years, put this in a book, put this in a book. And I was always very reluctant because, uh, you know, people think, well, yeah, you speak well, so you're going to write well. Well, that's not always true. And, and learning to write well was a challenge for me. Wow. And so I was actually resistant to the idea for many years. But the thing that motivates me is, I don't, I'm not interested in writing a book so I can see my name in, in, in publication or whatever. Uh, I, I wanted to, if I was going to write something, I was going to write something because it hadn't been said or hadn't been said in a way that I think could really, you know, hit home for people. And so there, there was a particular insight into, into the Bible that I thought really kind of uh, resolved a lot of the tensions that existed in Western Christianity. And, and I really thought that 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 was a perspective that could be shared and written in a way that that was for the the, the average reader, not not a scholar, mm -hmm. you know. And so that was really my goal in writing the first one. That was majestic destiny. Majestic destiny, and then uh, the second was just uh, 
maybe, and this might sound funny, but it was motivated out of a, just a little bit of irritation, mm. you know, that, that uh, there are so many uh, beliefs and doctrines and dogmas that, that we hold on to so tightly uh, that really, I think, reflect God in a, in a very bad light. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the more that I studied and the more I searched these things out and considered them, I realized that we were really far off on some of these things. And, and the beliefs that we had were actually having a very adverse effect on, on human beings. Uh, people who were following Jesus and people who were disenfranchised and, and saying, hey, I don't want any more to do with this. Uh, so it was kind of motivated out of that irritation. It's like there's a better way to think about these things and a, and a better way to think about God that will bring us a lot more freedom from what I, I saw as causing us shame. That if God was this kind of God, then what does that say about me? And it's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was really what motivated me for that. And we're, and we're going to include in the, you know, the show notes, uh, you know, where where we can possibly get those two books. Uh, his first book, Majestic Destiny. And the second book, I just, you know, knowing Curtis, I just love the title, especially when he came out with it. It's damn shame. And <laughs> and uh, I, I just I just love that uh, that title. And, and I'll tell you, you know, Majestic Destiny, I loved. And, and I have been with you a little bit throughout this, this evolution and looking in scripture just differently and, and, and understanding it. But, you know, damn shame was one of the ones that really has, has been, uh, probably most impactful for me because I do believe that that is one of the things that is keeping us from being the most vibrant expressions of ourselves is that we, we, we are shame. Nobody really talked to us talks to us about um, disappointments and, and, and you said it, we are human beings, not human doings. And, and, you know, everybody's process, it looks different and it's not this straight climb up. It's, it's bumpy and rocky. And it's like when we hit those depths, if my worth is not rooted in something that's fixed and doesn't move, mm-hmm then I'm going to be all over the place because now I'm striving for perfection because then I feel that I'm worthy in, in my accomplishments and yeah. all of that. And so uh, I, I love, I love those, those two, those two books that you have. So um, I, I have a, <clears throat> I have a couple standard questions uh, that I, I have just been asking, you know, through, through the podcast and they are, you know, just, insightful. I'm a reader. I know that you are a reader. We're sitting in your office and it's books all over the place. And, and I know that you're a reader. Are you reading anything right now for just your personal growth and development? What are, what are you reading or studying other than scripture? Because I know yeah, you do that. Plenty, a ton. plenty of that. Mm-hmm. No, I think that, yeah, my, my reading tends to be, you know, where I'm at at the moment. So, you know, been rethinking uh, some perspectives and philosophy on church and ministry and these types of things. So I've been reading some things along those lines, you know, that, that might, you know, allow me the freedom to kind of think outside the box that has been delivered to us in Western, in the Western world, especially in, you know, church and religious terms. So uh, that, that's really been where the emphasis of my reading has been. And then I'll transition and, you know, something else will be uh, a hot topic for me or where I'm at and I'll kind of read along those lines and, and I, I hope I can I can do a little personal thing I know that you and your wife often read together and my wife and I have have borrowed uh, that kind of format where we get a book and we will read together not just us with our own separate copies but we'll actually read out loud together and and, yeah. and that has been like such an amazing a fun little thing that we do together. And uh, I know that you and your beautiful wife, Kristen, will do that and read some fun things together. Yeah, it's enjoyable. She doesn't probably enjoy those those church-related philosophy <laughs> books as much, so I, I probably read those on my own. But <laughs> I can tear through those pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, and she, man, she's really turned into a voracious reader herself. And sometimes I look over and I think, you're, you're reading more than I am. But, <laughs> But yeah, we do enjoy that process as well and gives us plenty of uh, bedtime conversation. That is awesome. And, and the last question, if you, you know, Will Curtis, uh, what is a piece of advice? And, and it's hard. I, I wrote down one piece of advice, but it's, it's probably a much more complicated 
question than that. And, you know, part of what we want to do on Power and Strength Radio is help people become more resilient in mm-hmm. life, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, more resilient. So what piece of advice would you give people listening in that, you know, things that they could practice, things that they could be intentional and mindful about to build some resiliency in their life spiritually mm-hmm. and relationally? Because I, I think uh, I, I really see, and, and I think they're all connected. I, I often really see a dynamic between our emotional, mental, spiritual and relational oh, absolutely. health. I, I, I really see how they, re- those three, sometimes even more than the physical, I can really see how they really play on each other. Uh, is there a piece of advice that you would give or, or some thoughts, if you will, that you would give to say, hey, here's some things that you could be more intentional about or conscious of as you engage spiritually and relationally to kind of help you? Yeah, and and one just comes to my mind here is that I, I think that uh, we need to stop separating the the secular and the sacred. I think the more we can realize that that everything matters and everything is sacred, mm-hmm. th- that's important. But, but then another step must follow that. We don't need to over spiritualize the process. Mm. You know, life is sacred and spiritual in in and of itself. You know, and and for everybody, it's going to look a little bit different, no matter what their upbringing is or or what names they're throwing around in that process. But uh, I really think that it's important for us to to live out that sense of spirituality, uh, doing our best and, and devoted and in, in giving our energy and efforts towards that, mm-hmm. and then go do what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's the passage in the Psalms that says that uh, we're to dwell on the land and cultivate faithfulness, delight ourselves in God. And he will give us the desires of our heart. I, I think what we're trying to do is over-spiritualize our desires when in the reality is we just need to be spiritual beings and know that if we're really putting our energy and effort and time into the in being a good spiritual being, the things that we desire are good things. <laughs> and God will give us those things, you know, because we're engaged in that process, not because yeah. we're sitting back and waiting for him to drop them in our lap. We control our own destinies, basically, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I think not over spiritualizing the process is important. Mm-hmm. I think something, you know, for me that uh, I felt like I, I got triggered onto early in life, but didn't really learn until later mm-hmm. is that uh, it's OK not to be deep and profound all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, this is coming from someone who's involved in, you know, deeper issues and spiritual matters and so forth. But uh, it's okay just to be simple and and even shallow at at times and not know all the answers. Wow. And I I brought this little uh, blurb that I'm going to read. It's from uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Great, great. And I read this probably, it had to be uh, 25 years ago at least. Mm -hmm. And I've always remembered it. It says we, we sometimes refuse to be shallow, not out of our deep devotion to God, but because we wish, wish to impress other people with the fact that we are not shallow. This is a sure sign of spiritual pride. We must be careful, for this is how contempt for others is produced in our lives. And it causes us to be a walking rebuke to other people because they are more shallow than we are. Beware of posing as a profound person. God became a baby. To be shallow is not a sign of being sinful, nor is shallowness an indication that there is no depth to your life at all. The ocean <laughs> has a shore. And that, that's just always wow. always stuck with me. And, and so we're always trying to be the expert and have, you know, because again, we're, we're receiving value from how people respond and receive what we have to say and what we stand for. And I just think that there's something freeing uh, in just saying, man, I, I'm not sure I know. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I'm, I'm trying my best. And, 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 I, and even in what we do know, if we understand that we could be wrong, you know, there, there's a, there's an element of freedom to that. Wow. But I also believe too, that, uh, the best thing that I've learned is that, uh, you know, 
spirituality, I, I believe Jesus is, is the, the best representation of, of all that is true about God. Uh, not, not the version of Jesus that has been, you know, sent out there by, by many people in the Western world, but the Jesus who, who he truly is. Uh, he came to free us so that we could live the fullest, best version of ourselves as flourishing human beings. Mm-hmm. Man, pursuing God and pursuing intimacy in, in your spiritual pursuits and your spiritual journey, no matter where you are in that process or uh, who, who it is that you're pursuing, I, I think it's all good and ultimately is supposed to lead us to be freed so that we can be the best versions of ourselves. Curtis, you know, we, we've had many conversations very similar. Uh, I'm what, what I'm so over the moon about is that now this is a conversation that gets shared broader because I, I believe what you've shared today is ultimately what we're after here on Power and Strength Radio, and, and it's that people become the most powerful, vibrant expressions mm-hmm. of themselves. And I think that as each of us becomes liberated in that way, it gives permission to everyone around us to do the same. Absolutely. Man, thank you for my pleasure. For, thank you. For giving me some of this morning with you. And uh uh, I, I it, it touches my heart. Um, where where can people connect with you if if they want to know more about like somebody listening in says, man, I really dig what this guy is saying. Where where can we uh, connect with you uh, a little bit better? Well, I'm I'm not as high tech <laughs> as most people, but uh, you know I do have a Facebook page and I do have an author page, CurtisHTucker.com and. Uh, people can email me or or call me directly f- through the church, and I'm happy to to do that as well. I mean, the books are available on Amazon. If it, if anybody's interested in reading the books, uh, Kindle as well. So uh, yeah, there are lots of different ways. Man, thank you, and and you know that I love you, and and I say this uh, to to everybody in strength and love to you, my friend. Right on. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Are you listening? Damn.